Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. In today's episode, we have a special replay of a session that we do called the Badass Masterclass. And it's a monthly subscription service, and it's myself and three other masters. And we do four sessions a month, all virtual. And this session was so powerful that I thought, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there on the podcast so everyone can appreciate and just soak up this really, really, really important um, information about stress. And the master that you're going to hear from today is Eliza Kingsford. And she has a best-selling book called Brain-Powered Weight Loss. And she's traditionally worked in weight loss and body image. But everything that she does comes from the place of being a licensed psychotherapist, trained in clinical psychology, neuroemotional technique, emotional freedom technique. She she gets the brain, y'all. And so she's going to talk to us about our brain and stress what's happening in our world, especially post-COVID, and what we can do to address stress. And I was looking for the right words because traditionally we believe that we have to get rid of whatever's causing us stress, which is usually like kids and a husband and a job. And, and, And that's kind of rough to do. And so if we're, if we're not able to remove the stressors, how can we manage our stress? And so this episode that you're going to hear is a repurposed uh, bit from the masterclass. So on the masterclass, we have lots of people on the line. And so some of the sound quality mm, from me, not great. Thank you for your patience with that. But I didn't want to just let this one go because I thought it was worth having a little bit of lower sound quality to bring you great content. So... Ladies and gentlemen, Eliza Kingsford. I'm not coming down. A licensed psychotherapist, but I mostly work with people on um, energy psychology, um, neuroscience, quantum physics, spirituality, that kind of thing, nutrition science on changing how you approach your relationship with food and your body from the inside out. Now that work happens to be my passion. I just happen to love working with people on food and body image. However, the principles that we talk about are applicable to every area of your life. And when I was thinking about this group of women, um, you know, really successful, high achievers, go-getters, um, you know, what are the things that we uh, as a collective struggle with? Um, and I wanted to talk today about stress. Um, one of the biggest things people ask me about is stress eating um, constantly. And back uh, about a year ago, an anniversary of what was happening um, in our world with COVID, I started getting requests from companies to talk about the role of stress in their organization as it pertained to what was happening in COVID. And so I did a number of these presentations about what stress really is and how it impacts us and why we should pay more attention to it. If you, depending on some of the you know leading researchers on stress and the impact of stress, that it is truly, stress is truly the epidemic of our time and the impact of it um, has a trickle down effect in every area of our lives, which stress in general, sort of what it is, uh, why we should pay attention to it, and then some things that we can do about it. I'll try the ways of 
number one, the role it might be playing in your life, whether it was the last year or maybe currently, and then a couple of things that we can do to address it um, that might be a different mindset shift than what we were thinking about from um, stress, how we were thinking about stress before. Today, we're going to talk about your brain on stress, why you should care, and what you can do about it. I used to think that there were situations that were causing stress, and in order to reduce stress, I needed to uh, quit my job, get a divorce, have a different job, stop writing a book, and my child needs to be out of the hospital, right? So when we think about reducing stress, we think about it from, well, what are the big things that we can take away? And I, after researching a lot more and understanding a lot more about the role stress plays in our lives, I realized that we're looking at it all wrong. That's what I want to talk about today. So stress is a symptom of the circumstance. But what most of us do is we focus on the circumstance, right? I'm really stressed out in my job. Well, maybe I need a new job. I'm really stressed out in my marriage. Well, maybe I need a new husband. I'm really stressed out with my child. Well, maybe I'd like to give it away. Um, you know, when we, we focus on the circumstance and in reality, what we, what we should be doing and what I'll talk more about today is that we should be focusing on the symptom. So if the symptom is stress, we need to be focusing on the symptom and not the circumstance. And when, the, when a doctor says you need to just reduce your stress, we need better ways and better tools to be able to manage the feeling of stress, the emotion of stress, the impact of stress, rather than the circumstance itself. It used to tell me to be less stressed. I thought I had to change the circumstances of my life rather than change my internal landscape. You know, you need to stress less. And you're like, well, I can't because I have this huge project coming up and I can't do anything about the project. And I'm fighting with my husband and I can't do anything about my husband, right? Okay. So let's first talk about the science of stress and, and what stress really is. Um, you've probably heard this before. Stress is when we kick our brain and our body and all of our systems into the sympathetic nervous system. This is when we kick the body into fight or flight response. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the, I'm not gonna say it's the opposite of that. You'll hear why um, in a minute, but the parasympathetic nervous system is the state in which we kick the body into rest and digest. This is kind of take a deep breath, slow down. That's the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is activated anytime our body is in fight or flight. And here's the bad news is that we chronically kick our body into fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system, um, pretty much on a daily basis. They've done a number of studies. Um, <clears throat> and it's not just when COVID hits and not just when my kid needs a surgery and not just when, you know, you lose your job. It is perceived threat or perceived difficult experiences also kick our body into sympathetic nervous system fight or flight. So, and, and that is happening for, as a whole, uh, that is happening to us as a culture as a whole, um, pretty acutely these days, meaning it's, it is the compounding effect, um, especially for women of the mental load. It's the I'm trying to, you know, do everything I can for my job and take care of my children and make sure I have food in the house so I'm not scrounging for coffee and boiling eggs and make sure I'm taking care of myself and make sure I'm exercising and make sure and make sure and make sure mental load kicks us into fight or flight response, kicks on the, the sympathetic nervous system, and it's acute. So the, as you've probably heard before, 
our systems were designed to deal with stress. We kick the body into fight or flight. Every system in the body is affected. The digestive system, the reproductive system, the musculoskeletal system, they all start to divert resources to deal with the stressor. Okay, so your digestive system slows down, your reproductive system all but, you know, turns off in that moment, the endocrine system, the nervous system, it all diverts its resources to deal with the stressor. And then once the stressor is dealt with, we are supposed to go back to that parasympathetic nervous system into rest or digest, where the resources get re-diverted back to where they're supposed to be. The problem is with acute stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, we never go back into rest or digest. And what we've been finding in the research over the last, I'm going to call it three decades, we are living in a time where we have been, we, we're seeing unprecedented levels of sympathetic nervous system activation on an acute and regular basis. Now, what does that mean to us? You know, what are we what are we supposed to do with that? Well. What, that, what we're finding is that never before has it been more necessary for us to intentionally, on purpose, have to activate our parasympathetic nervous system. So it's not enough just to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and deal with this stress. It's going to be okay. We have to intentionally, on purpose, put in the time and make the um, space to activate that parasympathetic nervous system because the sympathetic nervous system is being overactivated in an acute way. People will say, well, what if I'm not feeling stressed? What if I'm not, what if I don't wake up every morning feeling the you know, anxiety symptoms or the depression symptoms of stress? Um, the answer is, What's happened is that as the body has adjusted to this acute level of sympathetic nervous system signal, we start to interpret it as our homeostasis, as our new, that's just, that's just the way things are, right? The world is moving so fast and I'm checking my phone and then it's all coming at me. And so we get almost numb to it. And so what I can promise you have a routine or a ritual that intentionally kicks you into parasympathetic activated nervous system that you spend a lot of your time in the sympathetic nervous system state. Here's a couple reasons why. So our brains are designed to pick up on danger. The, the reptilian part of the brain that sits on your brainstem, the little almond-shaped um, reptilian part of the brain, was designed to pick up in hunter-gatherer days, you know, when they were in trouble and, and um, needed to sense a saber-toothed saber tiger attack. You've all heard those kinds of things before. But what that did was it, it refined the part of our brain that is responsible for hypervigilance, for looking for danger, for paranoia, right? And so we know that because we're alive, our ancestors had these highly refined, hypervigilant, paranoia parts of our brain. And so some people will say, why am I always so good at thinking the negative? You know, that's just, it comes naturally. Well, science supports that because we have well-defined parts of our brain that were designed to think that way so that we would be alive here today. It served us well at that point, doesn't serve us very well anymore, but our brains have not evolved out of it. So we're designed to pick up on danger. So think about the last year, right? Think about the last year with um, COVID and the election and the vaccines and the mask wearing and all of that stuff. 
whether or not we felt stressed in that moment, your brain was on hyperactive mode, wasn't it, over the last year of, okay, what's next and what's dangerous and what's going on? And, and, and everybody felt it, I think, right? Um, the brain was just doing what it's designed to do. However, it does come with the impact of that sympathetic nervous system activation. Last year, especially, we were, we had overactivation because we were really worried about these bottom three tiers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So quite literally for some people, there was that um, physical tier of, you know, food, shelter, rest, health, right? You know, when, when, when we have this activation of, am I worried about living or dying? We're down in that very, very bottom tier of our hierarchy of needs. Until we get those, that, those needs met, we don't move up to the, the um, connection to that second tier, which is, you know, security, safety, shelter, stability, right? Well, everybody's jobs are up in the air and they're all moving and shaking and, you know, industries are shaking. Stability starts to get threatened. Until we have that set, now we can't go up to the social. Well, you've got need for love and belonging and inclusion. Well, now we can't see each other, right? We're all social distancing. So the last year of everybody's lives, we were really far down into these hierarchy of needs. We were down in these bottom three tiers. And when we're down in these bottom three tiers, these are just survival, security, um, you know, where am I in the social integration? And the point of this is that we have much less access, if any at all, to those top two tiers. When we're talking about, um, you know, being able to be productive at work, creativity, development, you know, expansion, growth, all of those things, we're stuck down here into that stress activation of those bottom three tiers, right? So that's another way that maybe you're not um, actively feeling it in the moment. Oh, I'm super stressed out. Although I argue that a lot of people were the last year when your brain is picking up all of the information in the background, wondering about these, these bottom three tiers, then it starts to shut off access to the more creative parts of the self. And here's how that works. So executive functioning, um, which is responsible, actually, the executive functioning part of the brain is responsible for all of these actions, um, considering the future and making predictions, focusing your attention, forming strategies and planning, um, inhibiting inappropriate behavior and initiating appropriate behavior, shifting and adjusting behavior when situations change. When we are in sympathetic nervous system activation, which will go all the way back to the beginning of this, which most of us have have been in sympathetic nervous system activity the executive functioning part of the brain we have less access to again we're diverting the resources to different areas of the body that the brain thinks it needs to go to so that we can deal with the stressor and we have less access to the executive functioning part of the brain this is the brain that's this is the part of the brain that's responsible for all of these things making good decisions thinking through decisions understanding consequences of our behavior creativity foresight, planning, execution of those plans. So I can't tell you how many people are coming to me. I can't think, I can't plan. I don't know how to get my life together. I can't focus. I'm, you know, everything's fine. I have a paycheck. Why can't I think about all these things? Well, you've got sympathetic nervous system activation going on in the background that's making it harder to have access to these parts of your brain. The threat response system is activated. And when the threat response system gets activated, guess what we want? 
comfort food. Comfort food is cliche, but it's also a thing. Salt, sugar, fat turns down the threat response system temporarily in that moment. And so your brain is seeking out that type of food to make you feel better, right? So again, in my work, this happens all the time. People are, you know, I'm stressed. Why can't I stop eating? Well, this is one of the major reasons why. Um, if you struggle with stress eating, which is you have less access to the executive fun functioning part of your brain that says, don't do things that are bad for you. <laughs> your brain is seeking out food that's going to make it feel better. So it's sending you all kinds of triggers, sending you all kinds of signals saying, eat this, it makes you feel better momentarily. And so it makes it harder for you to say no to those type of foods. And then after the binge into the donuts, well, what do you feel? Your serotonin has crashed, okay? And stress, not only does stress in general disrupt your endocrine system, where and 90% of your serotonin is produced in the gut. Serotonin is your feel-good hormone. Um, uh, not like dopamine feel-good, that's pleasure feel-good, but the serotonin is sort of, let's call it your happiness, hormone. And so the serotonin that allows you to just sort of be happy and at peace, 90% of that is produced in your gut. Well, now you're feeding it with all of the salt, sugar, fat, disrupts the gut, add that to the stress because your endocrine system has been disrupted and you got a mess here, right? Now your guilt, shame, frustration, and the lower serotonin level is contributing to the sympathetic nervous system activation. I'm just painting the picture for you here before I, um, I give you all the beautiful tools to be able to manage it, okay? Serotonin helps you regulate your mood, social behavior, appetite and digestion, sleep, memory, sexual desire and function. So if your serotonin levels are off, you've got a lot of disruption in your life in other areas, okay? And then finally, what happens when we're stressed? You can think of waking up every morning. Let's think of uh, your ability to make decisions like gas in a fuel tank. And if you're lucky, which people are not, if you're lucky, you start with a full gas tank. Let's say that you're stressed, so you start with three quarters of a gas tank. And every decision you make throughout the day takes a little bit of gas out of that gas tank. So you wake up in the morning, you know, what do your kids want for lunch? What am I going to wear? What meetings do I have? You know, am I going to take a shower? Am I going to work out? Da, 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 da. You're making decisions all day long. By the time you get to the end of the day, you're wiped. The gas is out of your gas tank. And when someone says to you, hey, what's for dinner? And, the, and our mind goes, I, I just, I know, I, 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 I have a hard boiled egg. That's all I got you are using the gas in the gas tank all day long. Okay, <clears throat> does this sound familiar to anybody but me? Because, yeah. We all have felt this overwhelm, the mental load that women carry, not just of the jobs that we're doing, but all of the other pieces that go into it, all go into every one of these decisions, uh, our executive functioning, and it takes a little piece of it right here and there. So it is the culmination of the way stress disrupts our nervous system, and then the trickle-down effect of all of the pieces of our, it's not just, you know, my job is really stressful, or I'm fighting with my husband, or, you know, my kids in the hospital. All of the different 
systems in the body that are impacted, the digestive system, the nervous system, the musculoskeletal system, your hormone system, your endocrine system, all of that are impacted. And then they all interact with each other. Got emotional symptoms of stress, got the physical symptoms of stress, cognitive symptoms of stress, behavioral symptoms of stress. And all of it leads to this, yes. And we end up feeling like that and we don't totally understand why. And what happens is we go, well, I, I, you know, I can't quit my job. I don't want to leave my husband. I don't want to get rid of my children and I can't do anything. So what do I do, right? And this is where I want people to start thinking about stress differently. So now that we know that stress is a culmination of the activation of the sympathetic nervous system, we can ask a better question, which is, okay, well, how do we activate the parasympathetic nervous system then? And will that help? That's the question we should be asking. So what we need to do about this is we need to become intentional about activating that parasympathetic nervous system on purpose, on a regular basis like daily basis. Um, you don't have to quit your job, leave your marriage, move away or uproot your life. We can manage stress without having to deal with the situation. And moreover, it's better to manage stress rather than feeling like, well, I have to change my circumstances. Because if you're always having to change your circumstances, then um, you're always relying on the circumstances having to be perfect in order to manage your stress. Yes. And all of our circumstances are so interwoven that if you change one, it, you know, you leave the husband, now you got a co-parent. That's a whole different stress. You know, you leave your job, exactly. you know, find another job. That's a whole, stress, right. <laughs> it's all interdependent. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, I believe that the conversation about stress has been changing, um, which is good uh more towards you know i think people also used to think about stress it was like you know go get a massage and have a date night and all these things and do i mean yay those things are amazing but people need ways to manage their day-to-day -day lives in this sympathetic nervous system activation um that are accessible that are repeatable that can be consistent and that we feel a a significant benefit from on a on a regular basis so one one of the things that we eliza talk about for those that are in the rise and thrive group we talk about what are those things that feed your soul i call it soul food what are those practices well how how are still how is stillness and reflection a part of the strategy it shouldn't be seen as something like you said that's date night or uh, special it should be a part just like you strategize for your business the stillness practice is how you strategize for yourself yes so much yes to that and so hopefully these things will not be um news it's just a reiteration of all the things that you've been talking about because that's what it is it's the um what are the things that feed your soul and i think tell me if you see this as well rebecca i think people see that as oh well, wouldn't it be nice if i had time to do that you know and it becomes the um it it becomes if i have time i'll fit that in 
And I like to talk about stress in this way to iterate. Um, if you don't make time to fit that in, what you're going to be making time for is some disease, some health issue, some something else, because the acute activation of stress will not go away with a massage or mm-hmm. you know a job change or whatever it's a part of the way that culturally we have now filled every moment of our lives that's the culture in response to the and it is that has created this acute activation it's not going anywhere and so the only way that we're going to and i i sound dramatic here and i you know i think i'm okay with sounding dramatic on this because i think it's that important the only way we're going to combat that is to um inject a routine inject time inject on purpose the ways to activate the other system because um Otherwise, we'll just we know we'll just keep filling, and the stress will just keep spreading in whatever areas of your body. And you know, there there are people who say, who knows? This is obesity, all cancer, all you know, whatever is if is derived from an energetic imbalance in the body, which can be addressed with stress management tools. Take that for what you will. I don't know, um, but it's kind of a big statement, right? So. What do we do? Um, The good news is that a lot of what we can do to manage this, if not all of it, is free Um, and it's accessible to everybody. It's just that we view it as a luxury rather than an breath work is free and uh, really, really powerful. So really good research on diaphragmatic breathing. Super easy to teach yourself how to do. And that comes from stress. We breathe really shallow. We, we have really shallow breaths and, they, and we don't expand our diaphragm and, and our lung capacity. And even just teaching yourself to breathe differently for you know one minute a day, three times a day, just a, doing a diaphragmatic breathing will activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Most people are breathing wrong, believe it or not, and take you out of the stress response super easy to do. If you can ask yourself, can you fit in, you know, one minute of breathing three times a day? Probably can. You can read about breath work. For those of you who have the ability and access to get out into nature, a lot of really good study on how um, nature impacts our parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, So just getting out of the house, can you make 10 minutes, you know, every day? Um, Rebecca, you're always posting your walks and stuff like that. I mean, this is all part of that, uh, reset of the nervous system and exercise here's what I want to say about exercise exercise for the sake of relaxation so you've all you've all done the exercise where it just feels so good you know um, whether it's a okay I got a great peloton release or whatever but when I was in my 20s it was like how many calories am I burning and I'm not burning enough calories and I have to it's got which contributes to the stress Mm -hmm. exercise with the intention of sure I mean get your sweat on if that you know we all know what a good sweat feels like that's great but with the intention of letting go of whatever we're holding on to or that work email or whatever right there's a difference I've had a few clients who were so like 5 a.m orange theory or I'm or I'm a loser that I've had to say look I think you should sleep in like I I think that's contributing to your stress not helping so totally 
be mindful about our intention and purpose, you know, behind doing those things. First to raise my hand and say that I had a, a pretty unhealthy relationship with exercise when I was younger and even just shifting in the mindset, even if it's the same workout, but shifting in the mindset um, helps cue the body into rest and digest mode of, you know, we're doing this, you know, um, to take care of ourselves and it feels differently and so much power in shifting a mindset and, and your intention. And, and that mindset piece, the, the thing I'm always trying to instill is that this stillness work I call reflection is, is again, part of the strategy. So if, if you, if your mindset is, this is just as important as my weekly sales meeting, or this is just as important as my, and so I even encourage, depending on the preferences of clients, like I have a station for reflection. There's a stool, it's got my journal, it's got my pen, there's a place to put my coffee. So when I get up in the morning, it's a visual cue that that's strategy. Or building like breath work into, I love the, the, my morning coffee routine that, you know, I blend this and I, and it's, it's this like Zen like rote thing that I do every morning that I kind of try to build in this as a stillness practice is making my coffee, but I'm nothing else gets in. I don't, I'm not multitasking on my phone. I'm just being present in it and it gives me calm. And so there are ways I always say build in whatever you've got going. Now let's let's build this in so it doesn't feel yes. like it's some separate thing that can be left behind. You know, you don't want to make this something that stresses you out because you have to do it. Understanding, that's why I like to go through a little bit of the science because it takes it from a nice to have to a need to have, ideally, because we're understanding when you do that, when you build in that time for reflection, or just even if it's five minutes and you have a coffee routine and you're not checking your phone and you're looking out the window and you're, you know, whatever it is, you move your brain into what I call active intention. And if you don't move your brain into active intention, it is automatically in passive reactivity throughout the day. So you probably have all felt it. You wake up in the morning and your brain is is searching, 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 searching. Oh, yep, my to-do list, got it. And then bam, your brain is off for the day. What do I have to do? What are my, and are the kids lunch made? And is the laundry and da 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 And bam, you are in passive reactivity all day long. What I mean by passive reactivity is that your brain is just a collection of what you did every day before and all of the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and processes. And, it, and that's what it knows how to do uh, rote memorization. And that's what it's going to do unless you intentionally bump it off course. That's its job. And so we are in passive reactivity all day long until you train your brain to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And so if all you do is give yourself that time in the morning or, you know, maybe it's 10 minutes or even, it doesn't matter how, how long you give it. Now you can recalibrate to active intention. And when you recalibrate it to active intention, you have more access. This is the paradox of it. You have more access to the thoughts you need to get that to-do list done better, faster, and more efficiently. When you go into active intention, you're going to do better on that sales call because your brain is now kicked into a different mode. So I think the paradox is we slow down to get more effective. We slow down to be more efficient um, because we're a culture of filling every moment and and um, filling all of our time, 
are we don't have as much access to executive functioning. We don't have as much access to clarity and good decision making. And now we're doing 70% of we're doing 100 things 70% rather than 40 things at 100%. Right. Um, so this is the beauty of some of these meditation shifting, quite literally shifting brain matter. If you don't have a meditation practice, it does not need to be super scary. Quite literally changes brain matter if you don't have meditation practice, gratitude practice, and then reducing processed foods and sugar. So, you know, uh, of course, that's the that's a lot of the work that I do with people, but not for the sake of, you know, weight loss and body composition, but because those foods are designed the way that they are designed scientifically and chemically messes with your serotonin level, messes with your threat response system, throws off the system in your body, and you're less able to manage stress, deal with stress, deal with the emotions of stress, and make good decisions for yourself. It seems like a low-hanging fruit to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to, it's not about the calories, it's not about the weight in this thing, but it's about the way that it impacts my ability to be effective in my life. Year. It was certainly a relevant topic for me as I started to learn about stress differently and, and how to manage it and think about it differently. I, I, I can't think of a topic that's more relevant for, for high achieving women and the way you've broken it down to relate to the decision, fatigue, overwhelm of all, you know, you know, even working from home, men have said, but, but, um, but everybody's there. The kids still come to the kids still come to mom for everything, right? I like they just we get bombarded with all the things. Um, one of the the pieces of this that's integral, and, and you touched on it, is getting flipping the script on when I slow down, I actually get more done. Like that is just such a, a juxtaposition from our habit and what we've been told and taught. And I think it sits really closely to our high achiever mindset of always feeling like we're in the mode of proving ourselves. Mm -hmm. Women have this deep seated, well, I'll prove myself and then I'll either get this opportunity or I'll earn the right to this. Like we have to just earn it. And that puts us into this activity-based mode that's really counterproductive from what we really, really want. And, and you can you can validate that like you've done with neuroscience, you can validate it spiritually in the Bible. It's just, it's, those are principles. I mean, you know, you, you can read about Einstein's time, right? Where it, it's just a totally different way of thinking about time and task. Um, wow. that, that we, if we don't get that piece, it's really hard to put it into practice because we gotta, we gotta, we gotta believe it at some point. So either practice it until it works or just, decide to believe it and then go for it. I mean, any, how, how do you get, how do you work with your clients to kind of flip that script? We get addicted to our dominant emotions, especially in high achievers. The addiction is productivity. The addiction is um, tasks, right? Checking off tasks or to-do lists. The addiction is I have so much to do. The addiction is I'm so busy and it's not intentional, um, but what it is, is a repetition of a dominant emotion or a dominant feeling that we've memorized so acutely in the body that it, the body is in the driver's seat. So anytime that you have something dominant like that, where we do it without even knowing, that's a habit, right? And, and really a lot of our emotions and um, even the things that drive our productivity are just 
ingrained, learned dominant feelings and dominant emotions. So we have this need in order to uh, recognize who we are. We have this need developed over time of, oh, I'm, I'm busy. I've got so much to do. I've got this big to-do list. I have so many tasks I need to cross off, right? And in reality, it's important to tease apart, you know, what is the most important thing I can get done today that if by doing it, I can cross off all these other little things that make me so much more productive. Am I addicted to busyness? Mm -hmm. And if I were to either let that go or start to shift my, um, the way I describe that or shift my intentions, who do I want to be in my job? And, and, and not so much the, my promotion and that, but, but who do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody that gets through tasks easily? And who do I want to be? And then we start to ask ourselves, well, well, what would I have to do to be that person? Because right now I'm hustle, 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 productivity, 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 no time, no space. I'm stressed. Blah, blah. But if I'm saying I want to, to be this person, what would I have to do to be that person? Where's the gap? And we start focusing on how to close that gap um, based on the blueprint of where we've said we want to go. Um, and we're, we're so willing to break contracts with ourselves um, mm -hmm. for the sake of taking care of others. And it's just, it's just a, such a paradox, right? Of, yeah. of we know better um, and we have to do better. So. so relevant. Oh my gosh. And I literally was going to say to you, if we had time before we started, hey, I had this weird thing happen that triggered me. Why is my first response that I either need a shot of something or a cheeseburger? Like, I like just <laughs> earlier today, I had a conversation with somebody that really upset me. And um, my first, and I've been, I'm clean eater. I've been doing, especially you know, the mm -hmm. last few weeks, really working on those last few pounds, COVID pounds. And I was just immediately, like, my emotions just. Yeah. I wanted to cry, I wanted to cry, drink and have a cheeseburger and mm -hmm. probably a side of fries in, in the midst yeah. of it. And, and you've just explained it to me without me even having to ask the question. So, and now I know that I just need to go, I'll go take my walk. I'll probably go for a run later and just let my body do what my body does best. I'm not coming down. I never left it on the ground. I'm not coming down.